hey, I got to tell you, I'm going on a cruise with a whole bunch of rebels. We're sailing out of Fort Lauderdale on March 23rd, 2024. That's not so far away, less than six months away. A gorgeous trip around the Caribbean. Holland America line. Boy, is that luxurious. And we're going to bring some of our favorite rebel talent. Sheila Gunn-Reed, David Menzies. And can you believe it? We're actually bringing Tamara Leach with us. And you are invited. That's rebelnewscruise.com. Ezra Levant here in Toronto at the world headquarters of Rebel News. What a pleasure to be with you during these dark days to share with you the news and some commentary to let you know the work that our people are doing in Canada and around the world. We actually have some breaking news for you. I'll have a video uh, that'll probably be ready in about five minutes. It, it is hot, hot, hot off the cameras. I guess that's what they would say, not hot off the presses. Um, I'll let the video speak for itself, but our reporter in Ottawa, Lincoln J, bumped into Omar Al-Gabra on the street. It looks like, uh, do we have it ready? Is that the video already? Wow. So it's ready already. This is literally 15 minutes ago. Just a little bit of backgrounder. Omar Al-Gabra, or Al-Jabra, is uh, the former head of the Canadian Arab Federation. And when he was there, he was a lobbyist for Hamas and Hezbollah. He lobbied the Canadian government to decriminalize those terrorist groups. He also condemned any Canadian leaders, including, for, in one case, a police chief who went to Israel on a, on, a, on a friendship mission. He condemned that, saying that Israel was complicit in war crimes and no Canadian police should visit there. Uh, bizarrely, he was appointed to Justin Trudeau's cabinet, but it's not bizarre at all because Trudeau made the explicit decision to court that vote. He can do, he can't balance a budget, but he can add the math up for votes. And in Canada, there are a million and a half members of the Muslim community, and hopefully the number of terrorist supporters is a small number, but there are a number of terrorist sympathizers, as we've seen on the streets in recent days. So Omar al-Gabra was immediately appointed to cabinet and given senior positions. Well, our friend Lincoln J. bumped into Omar al-Jabra al al on the streets today and asked him a very simple question. Would he condemn Hamas? Watch the answers. My name's Lincoln J. I work with Rebel News. Just one quick question. Do you condemn the recent terrorist attacks committed by Hamas? Do you condemn the terrorist attacks committed by Hamas. Why do you think so many people here in Canada are trying to justify these terrorist attacks? You have no comments. You have no comments. It reminds me a little bit of uh, when Avi Amini and I scrummed the president of Pfizer, Albert Bourla, and asked him a series of very easy and reasonable questions, and he refused to answer. Do you condemn 
the terrorist attacks of Hamas, is the easiest question in the world to answer. How could the answer be anything but, yes, I condemn them? Surely, if you're pro-Palestinian, you want to immediately show that you are different from terrorists, murderers, rapists, torturers. Surely you want to be reasonable, because even if you yourself are not that reasonable, you're part of Justin Trudeau's cabinet. Actually, I'm not, I think he might be a former cabinet minister. I'm not sure what his position is now. We had on the screen there that he's a former um, transport minister. I know he's the MP from Mississauga Center. I find that incredible. There was no misinterpreting the question. It was repeated several times. He obviously heard it. He would not condemn Hamas. And I have to give him a bit of credit for that. Because that's honest. Because he doesn't condemn Hamas. And he wouldn't condemn Hamas. Because he supports Hamas. And he has for his entire adult life. You know, I made a video almost 10 years ago. Do you have that video I made, Olivia? Yeah. I, and this was when Rebel News was very young. Um, it was, I think, in our first year. It, so we were just a few months old. And you can tell I had more hair back then and, and less gray hair. And uh, I was shocked when Trudeau appointed Omar al-Gabra to cabinet. But that is one of the ways Trudeau won. He courted the pro-Hamas vote. Here's a video I did nine years ago. I'm not sure if I'll play the whole thing, but I'll give you a sample of it, and I'll show you proof that he has literally been a lobbyist for Hamas and Hezbollah to get those two terrorist groups decriminalized in Canada. Take a look. Dangerous news. Justin Trudeau just appointed a Saudi-born extremist, Omar al-Jabra, to be parliamentary secretary to the foreign minister. He's now in charge of Canadian consular affairs, our consulates around the world. With thousands of Syrian migrants flooding into Canada and the risk of Islamic terrorism at an all-time high, this is a recipe for disaster. You see, Omar al-Jabra says that terrorist groups like Hamas and Hezbollah are not actually terrorist groups. He doesn't think they should be illegal in Canada. He doesn't think Canadian journalists should even be able to call them terrorists. He even opposes having a Canadian no-fly list. Just curious, because he himself was once stopped by U.S. agents when he wanted to fly to the States. And this guy is now in charge of Canadian consular affairs. He's the deputy, really, to the foreign minister. He's an official parliamentary secretary. Oh, but boy, does he hate Israel. He's pathological about it. He doesn't even think Canadian officials should visit Israel. He doesn't think Canadian officials should even participate in a Jewish charity walk in Toronto. He thinks Israel is, quote, cruel and brutal. Outrageous. Here. I'm going to give you the facts proving every assertion I've just made and more. Omar al-Jabra was born in Saudi Arabia to Syrian parents, so basically the two most fascist pro-terrorist places in the world. Now, it's possible that he couldn't wait to get out of there and come to Canada and embrace our values of liberty, equality of men and women, separation of mosque and state, things like that. But no. Once in Canada, he ran the Canadian Arab Federation, a group that is so anti-Semitic it had its government funding cut off. They sued, but the courts ruled that, in fact, it was reasonable to call them anti-Semitic. Here, let me quote the Federal Court of Appeal. Quote, There are mixed views about what constitutes anti-Semitism and whether the Federation's conduct could be perceived to be anti-Semitic. 
The federal court found the record was replete with articles and statements that supported the minister's characterization of the Federation. <laughs> yeah, you think? I said he doesn't think terrorist groups should be illegal. Here's proof. Here's Omar al-Jabra's press release opposing the criminalization of terrorist groups like Hamas and Hezbollah. This is the man Justin Trudeau thinks will protect us? I said al-Jabra doesn't think journalists should even be able to call terrorist groups terrorist groups. Here's proof of that. Here's his announcement declaring that he was taking a Canadian newspaper chain to the press council for the newspaper daring to add the word terrorist into wire stories to describe terrorists. Yeah, Aljabra isn't on Canada's side. A few years ago, Ontario police chiefs wanted to go to Israel to study counterterrorism from the people who do it every day. Omar Aljabra wanted to stop this. Seriously, here's what he wrote. Sending the heads of Ontario police chiefs to benefit from Israeli security experience is like sending a Canadian parliamentarian delegation to learn from Saddam Hussein about democracy. Uh, what? He's equating the only Western liberal democracy in the region with a Muslim dictator and war criminal? That's bizarre. But the goal was the same, demonize Israel and stop our police from learning how to combat terrorism. But Al-Jabra didn't even like it when police went to a Jewish community event in Toronto called Walk with Israel. I've been to that one before. It's like a community party, a walk with a bit of a festival at the end, sort of like the St. Patrick's Day parade, but for Jews and people who like Israel, like a party in Little Italy or like Chinese New Year. It's something that happens in Toronto. Omar Al-Jabra was against that. Here's what this little bigot wrote about that. He called this family march, quote, a show of solidarity for a foreign state currently in the midst of an unresolved conflict, a country that is conducting a brutal and the longest contemporary military occupation in the world. So he wanted Toronto officials like the police chief to boycott the Jewish march. What a little anti-Semite. And he's now the junior foreign minister. Yeah, I feel safe. He loves calling Israel brutal while he defends Muslim terrorist groups. This isn't just stuff he said when he was the leader of the anti-Semitic Canadian Arab Federation way back when. I mean, just last year, when Israel finally struck back at the Hamas terrorists in the Gaza Strip, who had been raining rockets down on Israeli civilians, Al-Jabra wrote a Facebook post calling Israel, once again, blind and cruel. But not a word against the Hamas attacks on Israeli civilians that started it. In fact, when the arch-terrorist Yasser Arafat died, Omar al-Jabra announced that he was in mourning. Seriously, he was grieving. Al-Jabra has been a senior organizer for Justin Trudeau. His job description was one line long, get every Muslim in Canada to vote for Trudeau. So anytime Trudeau went to a city, he would visit the mosque. Occasionally he'd visit a synagogue or church too, but more frequently there was a mosque visit, almost always without media presence, no mosque, was too extreme for him. He even went to the Wahhabi Mosque in Montreal, the one funded by Saudi Arabia, fingered by the Pentagon as a recruiting mosque for terrorists. Here, listen to Trudeau boast about that. I spend a lot of time running from the uh, Bangladeshi to the Pakistani to the uh, Maghrebian <laughs> to the, uh, the uh, Asuna Wahhabi Mosque. I cover, I cover all, all the different communities. It's incredible what Al-Jabra got Trudeau to do, even to dress up like a medieval desert tribesman. 
Trudeau prayed a Muslim prayer called the Shahada, which under Sharia law is the requirement to convert to Islam. Now, I don't believe that Trudeau converted to Islam, but Al-Jabra knows what symbols to use, uh, like this picture of Trudeau's mother and wife wearing hijabs. Well, the campaign worked, and Al-Jabra, after the election, was given his reward. And now Trudeau says he'll immediately withdraw our CF-18 jets from the Allied Coalition Against the Islamic State Terrorists. And Trudeau says he'll repeal the law stripping Canadian citizenship from convicted terrorists who were dual citizens. And Trudeau says he's in favor of Muslim women wearing face-obscuring niqabs in citizenship courts. But what's next, now that Al-Jabra is a junior foreign minister himself? How will Syrian migrants to Canada be vetted? Will Al-Jabra's view that Hamas and Hezbollah aren't really terrorists, will that view govern how we vet Muslim migrants? What role will Al-Jabra have in making those decisions? After all, he's in charge of the consulates. How about our relations with Muslim extremist countries? Here's what Al-Jabra told Al Jazeera before the election. He said, quote, On the issue of Iran, Trudeau has clearly stated that he is for engagement. He's also criticized Harper's government policy as being unhelpful in the Middle East and said that it ceases to be useful. Is Al-Jabra pressuring Trudeau to renew diplomatic relations with Iran, to cool relations with Israel? How about creeping Sharia law here in Canada? In an Arabic interview, Al-Jabra once said, and I quote, Unfortunately, the majority of Muslims remained silent during the research of this law and abandoned the field to a dissenting minority of Muslims, which had a louder voice. As a result, this plan ended in failure. The problem was not a stand taken by non-Muslims against Muslims, but it was we Muslims who were divided among ourselves and disunited in our ranks. Amor al-Jabra wanted Sharia law. What other advice is Al-Jabra giving to Trudeau about Sharia law, about anything? Omar Al-Jabra is not a Muslim moderate. He is a Muslim supremacist who hates Israel, opposes anti-terrorism work done by our police, and even tries to censor Canadian journalists. He says it's unfortunate Sharia law isn't in effect here. When Justin Trudeau promised real change, I'm not sure this is what most Canadians thought he meant. If you're concerned about Omar al-Jabra being in charge of Canadian government... Anyway, it's a bit long, but I wanted to show you the evidence I had. I guess that was eight years ago now. He was so anti-Semitic, he had his funding cut off by the government. He went to court, and the court said, no, you did some things replete. You're, the record is replete with anti-Semitism. He literally tried to get Hamas and Hezbollah legalized. That would be like someone trying to get the Hells Angels legalized or the Mafia legalized. What, what are you doing? And then to take that man and to put him in a cabinet. And he's been there for eight years. Like even just to deceive, even just to help his boss. Why wouldn't he say something like, I condemn all violence. How easy would that be to say? Or, yes, I condemn those attacks, and I stand with the rights of civilians. Like, he, he could have even said something pro-Palestinian. He could have said, I condemn Hamas, and, and I also care about Palestinians or something. I don't know. It's not my job to come up with words for him. But there are many words he could say to condemn 
murder, rape, torture, terrorism, but still express his solidarity with Muslim people, with Arab people, with Palestinians, with the people of Gaza. Play the clip again. Play Lincoln's asking of the questions again. It's just, would you be silent? If someone said to you, will you condemn rape and murder three times, would you be silent? Take a look. My name's Lincoln Jay. I work with Rebel News. Just one quick question. Do you condemn the recent terrorist attacks committed by Hamas? Do you condemn the terrorist attacks committed by Hamas? Why do you think so many people here in Canada are trying to justify these terrorist attacks? You have no comments. You have no comments. That's Justin Trudeau's key man in the in the Muslim community. It's his Muslim lieutenant. It's the guy who, when Trudeau would visit a town, would make sure that there was always a stop at a Muslim mosque to campaign, to sell memberships. You saw the clip that I showed earlier from that old video I did in 2015, where Trudeau would brag about going to the Wahhabi mosque, which are the most extremist mosques. The one of the mosques in question was identified by the um, by U.S. by the CIA as a recruiting um, place for Al Qaeda. Trudeau would knowingly campaign in an Al Qaeda Wahhabi mosque in Montreal, and then he brags about it. He it's not like he didn't know. He he named it. Because Al-Gabra mapped out a plan and said, Stephen Harper is for the Jews, for Israel. Stephen Harper, perhaps the most pro-Israel prime minister uh, ever. I guess Mulroney was pretty pro-Israel too. Okay, but there's only 300,000 Jews in the country, maybe 330,000, whatever the number is, less than 1% of the population. But the Muslim population is at least 1.5 million, maybe closer to two. So it's um, five times larger. And they're not all Canadian citizens yet, but they will be in a year or two. And you're not going to outbid Stephen Harper for the Jewish vote, but you've got the Muslim vote all to yourself. I suppose Jagmeet Singh might try and compete for it, but you'll just go harder and further. And the way to do that is by literally signing up the anti-Semitic former boss of the Canadian Arab Federation, so anti-Semitic that he he lost his funding because the federal court said, yeah, this guy's just so anti-Semitic. So anti-Semitic, not just anti-Semitic, it's one thing to hate Jews, but this guy wants to legalize terrorist groups. Imagine being the, the lobbyist for Al-Qaeda or for ISIS. Well, Omar al-Jabbar was lobbying for Hamas and Hezbollah. And we just saw what Hamas does. And, and he refused three, was it three or four times? I think the question was put, will you condemn Hamas? Will you condemn Hamas? Why are people finding it hard to condemn Hamas? Like, he, like I think there were a total of four asks in three different ways there. And Al-Gabbard just wouldn't say anything. He just would not 
say the obvious thing. Who wouldn't do that? Especially if you're trying to make a distinction between Muslims and Arabs and terrorists, which is a critically important distinction to make for both sides. It's incredibly important for Muslims and Arabs to say we are not ISIS, we are not Al-Qaeda. And we may have political goals, but we don't seek to achieve those goals through violent means. Don't you think that's a very important thing for Muslim people to say? And don't you think that's a very important thing for the other side, for the Israel side, for the non-Muslim side to, to know that there is a distinction between Muslims and terrorists? It's critical. If you're having trouble with that paradigm, shift it over to the mafia. One of the most important things in the prosecution of the mob in New York City, I think, was that Rudy Giuliani, the prosecutor, was a loud and proud Italian-American. And he let it be known that these are not my people. I'm, Rudy Giuliani has many strengths, and he was elected mayor for many reasons. But he made it his personal mission to take out the mob in New York, to prosecute them. And I think it was because he's a, he was a brilliant prosecutor and he was a man on a mission. But I think inside his heart, he said, I've got to prove to the world that not all my people are criminal. I mean, obviously, this is so obvious, I don't need to say it, but I'm making an obvious analogy because I, because Omar al-Gabri refused to do that. No one's asking him to prosecute Hamas. Well, actually, they, they sort of are. It's against the law in Canada to promote or support or to assist Hamas. It's, against, it's in the criminal code because Hamas is one of the listed terrorist entities under our public safety minister. If you go, if you just Google terrorist list Canada. Do you want to do that, Olivia? There's this big list of terrorist groups. Some of them are more active than others. Some of them are very obscure. There's a couple of names put on there, I think, just to sort of plump it up so it's not all Muslim groups. There's a, the Tamil Tigers are on there, but just look at that. Just stop right there for a second. You know, Abdallah Azam Brigades, Abu Dinal Organization, Abu Sayyaf, Al, like it's just Al-Qaeda, Al-Shabaab, you, you, you get the theme here. Now, there is that Aum Shinyikyo, if I'm saying that right, that's the Japanese terrorist group. I don't know if they've even been active in um, years. So there are some non-Muslim groups on here, but Hezbollah, Hezbollah Mujahideen, Hamas. You see it right there? Hamas. It's right in the top third there. Um, it's on there. Islamic State, various versions of that. Now, can you do one more favor for me, Olivia? Could you Google... Criminal Code Terrorist Provisions. If you just type those words into Google, your first hit will be the terrorist provisions of the Criminal Code. So you've got this official list. And then just click on that link there, exactly. And just pump, yeah, exactly. Pump that up. So we just showed the list of entities. Now scroll down a bit. So this is the Criminal Code of Canada, freezing a property. Scroll down a bit because there's, there's four words they use in a row on what you cannot do for a terrorist group. A little bit further down, a little bit further down, I think it's a little further, a little further. Yeah, uh, seizure restraint property, keep going. Or maybe it's the page before this. Can you scroll right to the top? It's collaborate, 
uh, fundraise support, or uh, yeah, where it says previous page or next page. I'm, it's one of those. Yes, yeah, scroll down a bit. Financing of terrorism. There's four words. I just forget. I don't want to um, guess wrong. It's four words like collaborate, support. Let me see if I can find it really quick. I link to them sometimes in my tweets. Uh, criminal code provisions terrorism. I just want to, yeah, section um, it's on the page that um, anyhow, I, if you can find I'm not finding it. Yeah, there it is. I'm just going to, should I send that to you in the Slack page? And that's on the live stream. There you go. Okay, so I mean, I'll just start reading it now, Olivia will load it. There's four words that you cannot do um, with terrorist groups on that list. Did you get the, the link I put there? Yeah. Participating, facilitating, instructing, and harboring. Yeah, put that on the screen there. Sorry it took a while. Criminal Code's a very large document. You see those four words there? You, those are the four things you cannot do with a listed terrorist group. You can talk about them. You can express feelings about them. You can even morally support them. As I always say, it's actually not a crime in Canada to be a Nazi or even to say you agree with them, however odious it is. But look at those four things you are not allowed to do to a list, to, to an entity that's on the list. And I'll just read a little bit. Participation. Every person who knowingly participates in or contributes to, directly or indirectly, any activity of a terrorist group for the purpose of enhancing the ability of any terrorist group to facilitate or carry out a terrorist activity is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to prison for 10 years. So that's participating. Meaning of participation. So they define it a bit. Scroll down a little bit. Participating in or contributing to an activity of a terrorist group includes providing, receiving, or recruiting a person to receive training, providing or offering to provide a skill or expertise for the benefit of, recruiting a person in order to facilitate or commit a terrorism offense, entering or remaining in a country for the benefit of them, making oneself in response to instructions from any of the persons who constitute a terrorist group available to facilitate or commit a terrorism offense, so there's like there's a lot of definitions here and there's a lot of hurdles to overleap. Instructing, there's a lot of that. Counseling, there's a lot of that. So there's a lot of rules there, but it's summed up in those four big words, isn't it? Participating, facilitating, instructing, and harboring. And harboring. Um, and I won't go through all of them, but um, you can't do that. But imagine Trudeau's favorite MP, who was his transport minister and he served in other ministries, refusing three or four times in a row to condemn Hamas to our reporter. He could have just said, he could have said it, but he didn't. I find that incredible. Can we? Can you make sure that uh, Lincoln's video has the embedded link on it when it's tweeted? I'm not sure if it does. I think it's just such an incredible thing we just saw. 
that we just got that moments ago. We're, we're showing it to you live. They're not live. As, excuse me, it's not live. It was 20 minutes ago now. All right, I want to move on for a moment. I'll, I'll jabber. It's already 127. It's incredible. Um, we had a lot of reporters on the scene all across Canada this weekend. Some incredible interviews. And sometimes just what we call B-roll in the business, just turning the camera on and pointing it almost like wildlife photography uh, of what happened. David Menzies interviewing a young woman in Toronto, Mississauga actually, with AK-47 earrings. And uh, she did the Omar al-Jabra. She said, no, nothing wrong with Hamas at all. And just as terrifying, an enormous rally in Edmonton I'll show you both of those videos and more when we come back. But first, we're going to take a short commercial break. You know, there's not a lot of commercial supporters for Rebel News. We've been demonetized by YouTube, for example. We do get some dough from Rumble, thank God. And we have a few sponsors and a few things we work with. So take a look at these ads, and if you can support them, please do. Because it's one of the ways we pay the bills around here. We will never take any money from Justin Trudeau, and it shows, doesn't it? You tell me one other news organization that is scrumming Omar al-Jabra on the street and asking him if he condemns Hamas, you won't find it. Do you think CBC would ever do that? Come on. All right, here's some uh, messages from our sponsors. Come right back. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. After years, I'm finally coming to Canada. I'm a practicing internist and cardiologist. I've trained in epidemiology. The FDA wanted to block the Pfizer dossier for 55 years. 50% of the lives at that time could have been saved. We were at about 250,000 deaths. Red Deer, Thursday, November 9th. Get tickets at canadiansfortruth.ca. See you Thursday, November 9th. Do you want to start feeling like your pre-COVID self again? You're not alone. The wellness company's Spike Support Formula is an all-natural supplement to help people do just that. It was created by cardiologist Peter McCullough and his expert team of doctors to help the people experiencing effects from COVID and the you-know-what. Go to twccanada.health/rebel today. Hey, Ben Shapiro here. This November, the Wilberforce Project is bringing me to Canada. If you want to fight the woke machine destroying families, join me in Calgary for my talk, hosted by the Wilberforce Project. Go to benshapirolive.ca for info and tickets. Come on out November 25th. It's all aboard the Freedom Train in Niagara-on-the-Lake. You can check Rebel News for updates and also the Freedom Passport site. Tamara Leach, who led the Truckers' Convoy, will be sharing the stage with some of the finest international recording artists. Like the Chops Horns from New York City, who's played with Alicia Keys, Stevie Wonder, the Rolling Stones, and many more. Plus New World Sun, just off a European tour. And the legendary R&B master, Leroy Emanuel. Get on the Freedom Train with Tamara Leach. Saturday, November 25th at Niagara-on-the-Lake Central Community Center, 680 York Road. Get your tickets today at freedompassport.ca. The Freedom Train is coming. Know your rights. Know your freedoms. Hey, welcome back. Thanks very much. I said before the break that I was going to show you some of the things that our reporters found across the country. I want to start with... Um, an incredible video. I think this is what 
would be called gaslighting. You know that phrase where you're manipulated, you're told something straight to your face that you know is not true, and they know it's not true, and they know that you know it's not true, but they say it anyways. Um, it's a form of psychological manipulation. It's a crazy kind of lying. Um, without further ado, let me play for you uh, a video by our friend David Menzies in Mississauga. Uh, and, and this young woman, her name is Esra, E-S-S-R-A, Karam. And um, she's just a regular young woman in Mississauga, saying regular things, wearing regular AK-47 machine gun earrings, and a regular shirt that translator says, never give up your gun, um, but in a terrorist way, not a home defense way. Listen to her talk about terrorism and torture that she says, no, no, didn't happen. Take a look. Oh, sorry, we have about, we're just loading that vid right now. Thanks for your patience here. Um, but completely normal in Mississauga. Uh, listen, Omar Algabra is the MP there, so he's representing his Hamas people. Take a look. Hamas is not a terrorist group. Oh, it isn't, ma'am. First of all, Hamas is not okay. a terrorist group. Hamas is not a terrorist group. What is it, like a motorcycle club? It is a resistance, a resistance okay. that has been fuming for 75 years of colonialism, of occupation, of murder, of rape, of little children, of women. That's what they are. They are resistance. Do you think Canada is everything, a colonialist country, too? Everything that they do is justified. Including what happened thing. last week? Every single thing they have done is justified. Ma'am, there were children murdered, there were babies beheaded. Oh. Babies beheaded, really. Please educate yourself. Well, please, please check the news. Okay. Because as, as a news reporter, you gotta check the fucking news because they said that that shit was fake, okay? Multiple times. Different channels, different, even Biden himself, his, his ministers and his idiots said himself that that news was fake. So, There's no 40 behead, beheaded babies. And there you are no, no 1,300 deaths no in Israel? Evidence. There's no evidence. There's no photos whatsoever. Hamas is a Muslim, a Muslim group. They would never do that because it's against Islam. That's number one. And that's something that they show. Do you really believe evidence. that? There is evidence of Israeli women saying that they gave us water. They gave us food. They gave us a, a place to, to, to sleep comfortably. They gave us clothes. They got them to cover up out of respect. This is actual women having interviews, talking about when they were hostages or when they were taking in, sorry, when, when Hamas members were, were coming into their house. These are actual Israeli women saying this is how they were. Even at some point, a Hamas fighter told, told one of the women, can I have a banana to eat? He asked if he could eat, eat a banana that was in her home. Does that sound like a fucking terrorist to you? Yeah, um, all those hundreds of videos, uh, most of them filmed by the terrorists themselves, live streaming their murders and killing babies and civilians, kidnapping women to rape them and kill them. But don't you know, one of them asked for a banana. And don't you know that Muslims can't be terrorists, uh, so it's just a moot point. Imagine that. And... That's, that's what scares me, is that we've seen 
tens of thousands of people. Montreal, probably the largest. Edmonton, very large. Toronto, Ottawa, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people who simultaneously, like, it's the juxtaposition there that's incredible. She's wearing a shirt with a terrorist saying, never give up your gun. She's wearing two gun earrings. But she's not just a firearm, she's not a firearms rights activist. Um, she's not like a Second Amendment American home defense woman. I, I don't think she has a firearm herself. Her earrings and her T-shirt are in support of the use of violence against Jews, which is in Hamas's official charter. Let's call that up right now, Hamas charter. Um, Hamas is a terrorist organization with a specific goal, and the goal is expressly anti-Semitic. It's to kill Jews. In that way, it's very much like uh, the Nazis, and that it is designed to kill Jews. And uh, it's Islamic in its nature. The word Jews appears again and again in its covenant, uh, 18 times. Let me quote from Article 7 of the Hamas covenant. The day of judgment will not come about until Muslims fight Jews and kill them. Then the Jews will hide behind rocks and the rocks and trees will cry out, O Muslim, there's a Jew hiding behind me, come and kill them. So they're, um, they're citing the Koran as justification for killing Jews. Not Israelis, but Jews. And I won't go through it. Maybe I'll do a special show on this. But Hamas is an explicitly murderous document, not towards Israel or Zionists, but towards Jews in general. And I just saw a moment ago, if you can find it, I just retweeted Olivia. There's this anti-Semitism conference in Ottawa right now. So it's not about Hamas, it's not about Israel, it's not about foreign affairs, it's just about anti-Semitism. And there are pro-Hamas protesters at the anti-Semitism conference. I mean, um, as, the, as the tweet I just retweeted says, if you're going to protest an anti-Semitism conference, then you're really showing your true colors. Like, imagine going to protest against a conference against anti-Semitism. That would be like protesting against an anti-racism conference. That's just, that's just so, so out there. But, but why not? Listen, if Omar al-Jabra, right-hand man to Trudeau, refuses to condemn Hamas, why should anyone else? Why would anyone else? So that's Mississauga, and that's Ottawa. But let me show you what happened in Edmonton, a city I lived in for four years. I really love Edmonton. It took me a while to come to that conclusion as a Calgarian. The first three years of my life, I had to get over the rivalry, Calgary-Edmonton. You know, I like to say that no two cities are more alike than Calgary and Edmonton. And I've lived in both of them. They're about the same size. They're both sort of oil and gas. They both like hockey. They're both in Alberta. There's so many similarities between Calgary and Edmonton. Yes, I know there's a difference. One's more entrepreneurial. One's more governmental. One's more white collar. One's more blue collar. I get it. I get it. Um, 
Politically, Edmonton is more to the left, Calgary's more to the right. I get it. But holy moly, are there a lot of similarities. And uh, you would just think that that's far away from any of these conflicts. It's far away from any of this stuff. I mean, Edmonton. But Edmonton has a very large and very radical Muslim community. And so on the weekend, thousands of them came out. And some non-Muslim supporters, it must be said. I mean, there's communists there. I, I never stopped getting a kick out of gays for Palestine because, of course, Hamas is against homosexuality and the punishment for homosexuality under Hamas is death. Let's play a bit of Sheila's videos. Um, Sheila didn't have, uh, she didn't interact with them. She sort of filmed them in their natural state. Let's just play a, play a, min, uh, a minute or so uh, to show what it was like. Take a look. quite make out what flag that is. That's a communist flag. I was wondering, what's the Sikh guy doing there? Because he's not Muslim, but if he's a communist, maybe he finds common cause. Let's play another clip from Sheila. Funny, I was told that honking horns uh, is a form of terrorism. At least I was told that one was the peaceful trucker convoy. Here you have actual pro-Hamas, pro-terrorist protesters honking their horns and police and the mayor can't get enough of it. Uh, I should t say again that that chant, from the river to the sea, Palestine must be free, that refers to the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea and everyone in between must um, be replaced with a Palestinian state. But that's Israel. So there's, they're not saying um, there should also be a Palestinian state. They're, they're saying there should only be one state there, and all the Jews must get out, either be killed, raped, exiled, or whatever. That is a specific statement saying every Jew must go. Uh, in the original German, the phrase Hitler used was Judenrein to be clean of Jews, Jewish, Jew clean. There's uh, a scene in Schindler's List. I haven't watched Schindler's List in decades. I don't want to watch it again. I find it too, too deeply depressing and, and terrifying. And by the way, I don't need to watch Schindler's List anymore because it was in black and white. And uh, I can see the Nazis in color on their live streams now when, when the Hamas terrorists go to work. But there's this one phrase 
that um, a Nazi says about a Jewish town that had Jews in it for centuries, and then they were all killed. And the Nazi said, as of today, the Jewish life in this town is a rumor. I remember that. When was Schindler's List? That's got to be 20 years ago now. Jewish life here was a rumor. And that's what from the river to the sea means. It's in English instead of in the original German. It's a chant instead of a phrase, Judenrein. And it means Jew-free. That it will be Jew-free. And um, I'm not sure if it was that young woman, Esra Karam, who was saying Jews should go somewhere else. Someone was saying, and and that's how it's been for 2,000 years of exile, I guess, but the Jews are the indigenous people of the Holy Land. For thousands of years before uh, year one, I mean, G Jesus was born in the Holy Land. He was, you know, we, we mark our calendar, A.D., Anno Domini, based on the year of Jesus' birth. But Jesus was a Jew. He was a Jewish rabbi, of course. And he was thousands of years after the, the Jewish religion and the, you know, Moses and Aaron and came to the Holy Land. Rome invaded. Jesus was there. And then there's the exile, etc. But the Jews were the indigenous people, the Jews including Jesus. And the Jews never left Israel, their numbers were reduced, they were persecuted, they were pushed into exile, but there were always Jews in Israel. They're the indigenous people there. Islam didn't come about for another almost 700 years. So, I, you know, this phrase decolonization, which we have recently learned means basically murder the people you don't like. Murder the settlers, that's what they call it, which is a terrifying thing to hear here in Canada, it's also a confusing thing when people who are new immigrants to Canada become radicalized and talk about decolonizing. They don't mean themselves, of course. They just mean old stock Canadians and any institutions they don't like. It's really it's a terrifying time we're in. I, um, I find it demoralizing when community leaders do not have the will to condemn Hamas. Omar al-Gabra, we should assume that, because he's been a pro-Hamas activist um, his whole adult life. But I said it on the weekend, and I, I said it again. Is there a single mosque or imam in Canada who's willing to publicly condemn Hamas without then adding the word but? Is there just one? And I mean that, I'm not saying that rhetorically, I mean that honestly, is there someone? Is there a single mosque or religious leader in Islam in Canada? And I don't mean a pundit. I don't just mean a pundit. I mean someone who's actually a clergyman to, to the Muslim community somewhere who's willing to say, I condemn Hamas and their terrorism, and then just stop there and don't add the word but. Is there anyone? And if the answer is no, or at least no one has been able to provide me with the answer. I think that is a terrifying sign. And it tells us that we have a longer term problem. I'll, I'll share my thoughts in my monologue later tonight on my show. Every day at 8 p.m. Eastern, I do a show called The Ezra LeVant Show. It's behind a paywall, but the podcast is free. 
And Israel has some terrible military strategic problems. Um, I think invading the Gaza Strip is going to be like Stalingrad. It's going to be, you know, house by house warfare, booby traps, snipers. I think it's going to be terrible. But what do you do in the end? Are you going to reoccupy it? I don't think Israel could or should. How, how does that end then? How does it end, especially when young people in Gaza are taught anti-Semitism and violence from an early age? Just like the Red Guard were taught that in communist China and the Hitler Jugend were taught that in Germany. If you're taught from elementary school to kill the Jews, to hate the Jews, that will be imprinted on you when you're an adult. There's, there's an enormous amount of unlearning to do there, if it's even possible. But in Canada, too, support for Hamas is normalized, which is an astonishing thing. And I think it's coming as a surprise to people who have not looked too closely at academia. Anyone who has paid attention to the woke battles in universities is not surprised. Maybe they're a little bit surprised by how widespread it is, but if you put three people through 10, 20, 30 years of woke academia, where everything Western is hated, well, maybe it's not surprising that you have these waves of moral relativism where anything, a Jew, a Jewish baby can be murdered and tortured. We've now learned that 80% of the people killed um, by Hamas incursions were tortured first. 80% were tortured before they were killed. Even the Nazis hid their most macabre work. I'll talk a bit more about this on my show tonight, but the Nazis did keep from the local population what was going on in the death camps. In fact, you know that classic image of the gates to Auschwitz that said, Arbet mach frei. Can you just grab an image of that? Just gates of Auschwitz. Um, it was a cruel joke, but I think it was also a deception to keep the Jews uncertain about their fate until the very end, but also any outside observers. The gates of Auschwitz said in German, work will make you free. And uh, the implication being, oh, this is just a work camp. No, no, it's not a death camp. And um, I think they were, I mean, in, in some ways, obviously, it was a terribly cruel joke. But in other ways, I think it was to deceive the outer world so that local Germans, or in that case, Auschwitz was in Poland, would say, okay, it's just like a jail. But nothing really terrible is going on in there. Yeah, that's the image there. Arbeit macht frei. Work will make you free. Because remember, Germany, Hitler took power in 1933. The Nuremberg Laws, the anti-Semitic laws came in, I think, in 35. I think Kristallnacht, the real first pogrom, was in 37 or 38. The invasion of Poland was in 39. The Holocaust really didn't get underway full tilt till the early 40s. I think 43 was really when it hit its fever pitch. So it took a while, and although there was some inherent anti-Semitism in those countries, they, they still were generally a Christian ethic. And although it, it is possible for Christians to be bigoted and Christians to be anti-Semitic, of course it's possible. 
I, I don't think Christians were naturally comfortable with murder and rape and torture and extermination. They, ha- they, they were training young Nazis to think that way. But you can't convert an entire civilization in just five years. And so the, the Nazis had to hide the true nature of what they were doing. Israel has been out of the Gaza Strip since 2005. So, so they've been out of there for 18 years. And during that time, Palestinian children have been taught anti-Semitism, and not just anti-Semitism, taught violence, taught to dehumanize Jews and Israelis. 18 years of inculcation. And I'm worried that we, we haven't had the same degree in Canada. Obviously, we're you're not having pure terrorism lessons in our schools. But I think a lot of the woke fields of scholarship accomplish the same thing. Omar al-Gabra is a terrible man. He is an anti-Semite. He is a lobbyist for terrorists. And he has, for eight years, been planting seeds of anti-Semitism in the government. And today, when our reporter asked him three or four times to condemn Hamas atrocities, he would not. And I think that says everything. But it also is a signal and a symbol of the problem we have. We have normalized Jew hatred in this country in a way that I find shocking and frankly scary. And I think a lot of Jews who are sort of liberal by nature, liberal on immigration, liberal on multiculturalism, liberal on diversity, inclusion, and equity, uh, I think that they were shocked by what they saw and shocked at the silence of the leaders in the Muslim community with whom they were parleying. It was quite an incredible thing for me to see last week when the official Jews, as I call them, at Sija, the Canadian, I think that stands for Canadian, Israel, and Jewish Affairs, which is the, the big Jewish lobby. And they had been granting credibility and reputation to the Muslim Brotherhood front group in Canada called the National Council of Canadian Muslims, the NCCM. And I don't know why they were doing that. Maybe they thought they could win them over or something. And so after this barbaric murder and rape spree, when the NCCM basically condemned Israel and didn't have a word to say about the the Jewish victims of Hamas, Sija, as it's called, I think it stands for the Council of Israel and Jewish Affairs, were just shocked, shocked that they were betrayed as if, it was a real friendship, as if it wasn't. I mean, it's just, it was quite something to see after enabling and promoting and supporting and befriending a Muslim Brotherhood group for a decade. That they're suddenly startled that when the bullets hit the bodies, the NCCM was on the side of the terrorists. And by the way, Sija has never had a hard word to say about Omar al Gabra, not one, not even when he was appointed to cabinet. Just astonishing. Well, I think that's the problem, and that's what I'm going to talk about on my show tonight. Israel's got a problem. It has a terrible strategic situation. Funny, just a month ago, it looked so strong. It looked like the, the Abraham Accords peace agreement was 
perhaps going to include Saudi Arabia. And we were past all this wars business. But now we see the devastating blow that Hamas dealt, the threat of Hezbollah in the north, the Abraham Accords perhaps coming apart, God forbid, Iran building its nuclear bomb. We see the worst of all worlds there. But I'm actually more concerned about here. And what I've learned is that tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, of members of the Muslim community support terrorism and will say so publicly and have no compunction about supporting a murdering, raping terrorist group. Just none at all. In fact, they want them to go further. They want to make from the river to the sea Jew-free. And there are precious few public leaders willing to call that out. Certainly not Omar al-Gabra. The polls suggest that Pierre Polyev would win an election if it were held today, but there will no, there's no election held today. An election is, what, a year off? Perhaps as much as two years off. The Canadian tradition is elections every four years. Under Trudeau, they've, ever, they've been every two or three years. So I think that there will probably be an election in 2024. Right now, it looks like Polyev and the Conservatives would win, but not necessarily. Polyev has never said a word against the million-man immigration quota every year, a million migrants every year, unvetted. You can't vet a million people every year. Think about it. That's, that's 3,000 a day. There are no more in-person immigration interviews. There might be some, but the vast majority of immigrants to Canada do not have an interview. It's an electronic application. It's a paper application. So we're not checking for cultural fit. We're not checking if people renounce violence, violent solutions to problems. We're not checking if people support ethnic pluralism, the separation of mosque and state, the equality of all different religions before the law. We're not, we're not checking for that. We're certainly not making demands of people when they come over to assimilate or integrate. We don't even use those words anymore. We used to say integrate and assimilate. We don't say that anymore. Now we have diversity. We, we say include them, but not that they should join to be like us in our pluralism. And I think that that's the crisis because that young woman in Mississauga with her AK-47 earrings and her shirt that says, never give up your gun. And she, she's not a gun owner, I'm pretty sure. She's talking about using the gun. Never stop using the gun against the Jews. How do you stop that? How do you unlearn that? How do you denormalize that? I fear that job is too big of a task for Pierre Polyev and the Conservatives. At least they've shown no appetite for it so far. And do we keep on our current path? Do we become like London and like Paris? How far do we go down that road? Those are some of the things I'll talk about on my show tonight. You can tune in by going to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe. Let's close the show as we opened it with that one-minute interview where our reporter put three or four times to Omar al-Jabra, will you repudiate Hamas? And his silent answer spoke volumes. Last time we'll show the clip. Take a look. My name's Lincoln Jay. I work with Rebel News. Just one quick question. Do you condemn the recent terrorist attacks committed by Hamas? Do you condemn 
the terrorist attacks committed by Hamas. Why do you think so many people here in Canada are trying to justify these terrorist attacks? You have no comments. You have no comments. That's Hamas's man in Ottawa. Wouldn't you agree with me? He's actually done an amazing job for his client. Hamas is legally still banned in Canada, but he really wouldn't know it. Hamas still receives millions of dollars from Canada through the UN Relief Works Agency. In fact, just a few days ago, Ahmed Hassan, another cabinet minister, announced more money for them. They won't denounce Hamas. They have Hamas riots, rallies around the country. Yeah, I think Omar al-Jabra has been pound for pound the most successful Hamas operative in Canada, don't you think? That's our live stream for today. Until tonight, on my own show, and tomorrow's live stream, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, goodbye, and keep fighting for freedom. I'm in Ofakim, southern Israel, a border town with Gaza, which last Saturday. Hamas terrorists infiltrated and hunted and butchered 50 of their community members, taking some hostage. And we were doing a story about a miraculous police operation that freed two after 20 hours. That full story coming to the truthaboutthewar.com. But when we were here covering the story, just to give you a sense of how stressful and on edge the southern borders, especially the bordering towns, are still today, eight or nine days after the attack, Police suspected a terrorist just in one of the house hiding nine days later and cleared the streets. It looked like it ended up being a false alarm, but it just gives you a sense of how people are feeling today in Israel, on the streets, even within their communities. Once, you'd never imagine you'd feel unsafe.